It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. Did you know the chance of a pregnant woman having twins is one in 250? Or how about the chance of being hit by lightning in your lifetime? It is one in 3,000. Or the chance of being struck and killed by an asteroid? One in 250,000. These random chance facts are really frivolous, to be honest. But they lead me to ask an important question maybe the most important question to be answered in life. What is the probability that God really exists? Fundamentally and essentially, does God exist? It is the question of the ages. It is a question that we began to answer last week. In fact, in order to answer that question, we began to set up a framework to answer the question. And here is the key. In order to answer this question in an unbiased fashion, our framework needs to be able to work for anyone. Whether that person is a Christian, an atheist, or someone who practices any religion at all. First and most importantly to the framework is the issue of attitude. Now in a review of last week, and if you happen to miss last week's show, you can go to our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com forward slash IIW Canada and there you can watch any of our previous programs but most especially last week's. But in a brief review, each of us has opportunity to investigate with three basic attitudes. That of a skeptic, believer, or inquirer. And the attitude that we take will often dictate the results of any given investigation. Remember the important distinctions that we emphasized in that last show. A skeptic decides against a claim prior to thorough investigation, while a believer, on the other hand, decides to accept a claim prior to thorough investigation. But an inquirer holds verdict until the investigation is done. In addition, a skeptic focuses on the question to the exclusion of the evidence, whereas a believer focuses on the evidence to the exclusion of the question. But an inquirer focuses on the weight of evidence. All the while, a skeptic disbelieves in the face of reasonable evidence. However, a believer believes while big questions remain, but an inquirer accepts reasonable evidence even if some questions remain. And so as we investigate this question of God's existence, the only fair and balanced attitude to start with is that of an inquirer. So once we have established the proper attitude it allows for a framework to be formed that will lead to honest conclusions. So the next issue becomes, 
Well, what kind of knowledge was, must we obtain to answer the question of God's existence? One must assume that somewhere in the vast expanse of knowledge that exists, the reality of the knowledge of God must be there. So where might we obtain that knowledge to build the right questions to answer the question of God's existence? Last week, as we investigated the possible sources of knowledge, we discovered that knowledge comes through seven basic sources. Reason, sensory perception, intuition, feeling, experience, history, and the experts. Yet with each one of these sources, we saw clearly that they are vastly insufficient to build a framework that will reveal the answer to one of life's greatest questions. Does God really exist? So what are we to do in this inquiry? Well, there is another source of knowledge that may help us. It's called probability theory. Probability theory deals with the occurrence of events. It looks at the possibility or probability that something is completely random or if it is statistically probable. Here's what I would propose to you, that we would use probability theory in order to tackle the question of God's existence. Why? Because it is an unbiased, factual way of dealing with this great question of life. Now, before we jump into the statistical analysis, let's further explain and describe some aspects of probability theory. According to Dr. Pondit, in day-to-day -day life, we can say that any given event that has only one chance of occurrence in 10 to the eighth power, which is a one with eight zeros after it, or 100 million, it is considered an impossibility. Now, in the same way, the converse is true. If something occurs 10 to the eighth power times, yet has one of non-occurrence, it is considered a fact. Now, when we move into the world of science, scientific calculations require that the number actually goes up. So the number is 10 to the 15th power for any scientific calculation. But when it comes to establishing a scientific law, we are told that the number must be 10 to the 50th power. Now here's what this means. If there is a mathematical probability of something occurring 10 to the 50th power times with only one chance of failure, that event is then considered scientific law. Now, just to give you an idea of how huge these numbers are, suppose we wanted to test the certainty of gravity by dropping a ball every second as we look for that one time when the ball will just float in the air. To test it 10 to the 18th power times, which is less than half of what is considered to make a scientific law, dropping that ball every second will take us 15 billion years to accomplish. A time that long is almost unfathomable, especially in light of the fact 
that some scientists believe that 15 billion years is the age of the universe, at least according to the Big Bang Theory. So what does all this mean? Here's the bottom line. These are huge numbers that go a long way toward eliminating error and chance on one hand, yet establishing certainty on the other. Therefore, as a result, we can clearly affirm that an extremely low probability is virtually synonymous with certainty. And so it is with that framework that we can put to the test one of the greatest claims of Christians, that God is the creator of all things. This claim is not just the claim of people speaking, but it is the actual claim of the Bible, the very book that forms the foundation for two of the world's largest religions. Listen to these bold claims of both the Old and New Testaments in the Bible. The very first words of the Bible say that God is the creator of all things. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the remainder of the Genesis account says things like this, Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the water. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And finally, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. The Bible is clear in its assertion that God is creator. In fact, many scholars say that Moses wrote these chapters in the book of Genesis as a defense of God's creatorship, if we call it that. Now, another passage that declares the creative power of God is Psalm chapter 33. Psalm 33. And it states this. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. A bold statement that God himself spoke everything into existence. The New Testament also makes such declarations. Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 3 boldly claims these things. Hebrews 11 and in verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Then really, one of the capstone passages on creation 
is Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. The very worship of God is founded on his being the creator of all things. The Bible, though, invites us to test these claims that he is the creator. To do that, we will apply the test of probability to creation. If the test reveals a high probability that random chance processes are able to explain what we see in nature, then it will rule out the existence of God. If, however, on the other hand, the test reveals probabilities that are incredibly small, then it becomes reasonable indeed to affirm that God is the creator and that these very small probabilities point to his existence. Let's now apply the test of probability to see what we find. First, let's look at the relation between gravity and electromagnetic forces. One of the delicate balances that science has noted is the precise relationship that exists between gravity and electromagneticism. Physicist Paul Davies comments, calculations show that changes in the strength of either force by only one part in 10 to the 40th power would spell catastrophe for stars like the sun. So, just the ever slightest change would doom the planetary functions. This balance cannot be explained by some random chance holding it all together, but by precise design. This is such an incredibly small value that a hypothetical illustration is needed. Suppose that you had a pile of wooden matchsticks and that that pile was actually much larger than the entire volume of the earth. In fact, let's say that your pile actually extended all the way from here to the sun. And then in that pile, only one matchstick has a head on it and the rest are bare, headless matchsticks. Since you are extremely cold, you need that one match with a head to start a fire. Your chance of picking the matchstick with a head out of the pile on the first try without looking is greater than one out of 10 to the 40th power. Then there is the relationship between strong and weak nuclear forces. Within atoms, there exists both strong and weak nuclear forces that perform their specific functions. The strong force that binds the particles in an atom's nucleus must be balanced with the weak nuclear force to a degree of one part in 10 to the 60th power. If the strong force were any weaker, atomic nuclei could not hold together and only hydrogen would exist. If the strong force were only slightly stronger, 
the sun would not exist, water would not exist, and the heavier elements necessary for life would not be available. Friends, this is not random chance that atoms are held together, but it demonstrates a designer. Remember that mathematicians sometimes define probabilities of less than one chance out of 10 to the 50th power as impossible. In other words, it is statistically impossible for atoms to be held together. Why are they then? Because they were created by a designer. But we won't stop. There is a relationship also between gravity and the cosmological constant. Now, don't be overwhelmed by the big words. It's actually quite simple to understand. Let's look at the precise relationship between gravity and the expansion of the universe. While the universe is expanding, gravity inhibits the rate at which the universe expands. For space to expand at a rate that would allow for the development of life, the cosmological constant, which orders the precise relationship between the expansion of the universe and gravity must be less than 10 to the 120th power. The fine-tuning of this constant is extraordinary and represents the most extreme fine-tuning of any known constant in physics. What does this mean? Once again, the relationship between gravity and the expansion of the universe is, according to the experts, a statistical impossibility. Yet it is happening. How is that possible? Design by a master designer. What about the probability that the universe itself formed by chance processes? Oxford University physicist and mathematician Roger Penrose estimated that the probability that the organization of the universe could just happen by chance is precisely 10 to the 123rd power. Now, if you should try to write that number out by placing a zero on each atom in the known universe, you would have a problem because you would run out of atoms before you would run out of zeros. The universe is estimated to have only about 10 to the 78th power of atoms. My dear friends, the existence of the universe by random chance is impossible. Why? Because it was designed by a creator. In fact, the probability that one protein molecule could have formed on its own by chance processes is one chance in 10 to the 190th power. It's an impossibility unless God is involved as creator. Then all things are possible. Now what about the probability that a cell could have just come about by chance. 
Scientist Fred Hoyle, who rejects the idea of a god, has calculated that the probability of getting at one time 2,000 protein molecules necessary to start life is one chance out of 10 to the 40,000th power. However, it turns out that Hoyle was being very optimistic. Using thermodynamics, which is the energy relationship between atoms and molecules, physical chemist Harold Morowitz, who also favors an evolutionary worldview, calculates that the probability of a very tiny microbe, a mycoplasma, appearing spontaneously is one chance out of 10 to the five billionth power. Yet life formed in the face of impossibility. How? By design and creation. So what has been the reaction by some scientists who favor an evolutionary worldview? The scientist Fred Hoyle himself states this, a common sense interpretation of the facts suggests that a super intellect has monkeyed with physics as well as with chemistry and biology and that there are no blind forces worth speaking about in nature. The numbers one calculates from the facts seems to me so overwhelming as to put this conclusion almost beyond question. Cosmologist Chandra Wick Romansing states, it is quite a shock. From my earliest training as a scientist, I was very strongly brainwashed to believe that science cannot be consistent with any kind of deliberate creation. That notion has had to be very painfully shed. I'm quite uncomfortable in the situation, the state of mind I now find myself in. But there is no logical way out of it. I now find myself driven to this position by logic. There is no other way in which we can understand the precise ordering of the chemicals of life except to involve the creation on a cosmic scale. We were hoping as scientists that there would be a way around our conclusion, but there isn't. Then there's Anthony Flew, professor of philosophy, former atheist, author and debater. He pointed out the following. Most impressive arguments for God's existence are those that are supported by recent scientific discoveries, such as the fine-tuning of the universe. Now, I suppose that one can still believe in chance, even with probabilities this small. But then again, what difference would there be between believing in chance and believing in miracles? You might as well believe in miracles. Now, does this mean that there are no difficulties with the notion that God exists? Certainly not. The difficulties of belief are indeed great, but the absurdities of unbelief are even greater. Chandra Wick Romancing notes the following. The chances that life just occurred on Earth are about as unlikely as a typhoon blowing through a junkyard and constructing 
a 747. The Apostle Paul said these words in Romans chapter 1 and in verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. My dear friends, probability theory strongly points to God's existence. In fact, the probabilities leave little doubt that this world and universe are here by design or by creation. There is little doubt about the existence of God. He does exist. And if he exists, he is the creator. And if he is the creator, it means he created you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help our unbelief. Help us to see clearly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What's in your medicine cabinet? Hopefully, you are eating a wonderful array of vegetables and fruits as they are protective of your good health. When we are eating well of God's amazing plant bounty, we can expect to not get sick with colds and flus as often as other people do. But every once in a while, we might succumb to some virus or bacteria that's out there. That's when you need to have really helpful natural remedies on hand. Here are four of my recommendations. Activated charcoal has been in use for over 3,000 years for health and healing. Made from wood, vegetables, and other materials, it's able to attract and bind many harmful substances. It is also amazing at filtering toxins. In some poisoning situations, activated charcoal is highly beneficial. And then garlic. It's remarkable for its antibacterial and antiviral properties. Feel a cold coming on? Nip it in the bud by boiling two cloves of garlic in two cups of water for around 10 minutes. Drink this tea throughout the day. Ginger. It's been proven to be very effective in alleviating the unsettling symptoms of motion and seasickness, including dizziness, nausea, vomiting, and cold sweating. And lemons. They are famous for their strong antibacterial, antiviral, and immune-boosting powers. Here's a recipe that can ease chills and fever symptoms. Add the juice of one lemon to a cup of hot water with honey and drink at once, and then every two hours until the fever or chill subsides. I hope you'll add these suggested superheroes to your medicine cabinet, along with fruits, vegetables, and especially the dark leafy greens. I'll see you next time. Dear friend, I would like to help you in your journey to discovering God's existence. I'd like to offer for free today the Discover Bible Guides, which will set you out on a journey to see if God exists and help you develop a relationship with him. Another offer I'd like to give is that for the book Beyond Imagination. For any size donation, we would be happy to send that to you. Here's the information you need to get today's offers.
To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H7V4. Dear friend, thank you so much for watching. Please join us again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.